We're nerds and people are playing Christmas music. What more do you want from your better buddies? Welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, we've got Calvin. Hello. And Calvin. It's just Calvin, but that's okay. There can only be one. Uh, our icebreaker this week, submitted by Calvin. How early is too early for holiday music? So I feel like you kind of answered this in that when I and when I suggested this the other week, you were like, oh, well, because um, you were like, oh, should we do that this week or next week's? And I was like, I don't really care. And you and you said like, well, we'll do it next week's because that's closer to the holidays. So I feel like that kind of was part of your answer. Then I feel like, yeah, I considering literally like you sent me that idea, and like a couple hours before the coffee like workstation area near where I was at was like, I heard a Christmas jingle coming from over there, and I was like, oh man, really. <laughs> If you enjoy Christmas music this early, all right, fine. You know what? It makes you happy. Be happy. But also, we haven't had Thanksgiving yet, and my family's one of those Christmas music is you as soon as Thanksgiving dinner is over, like you stop eating, then you can turn on the Christmas music. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like you can start listening here and there to Christmas music, honestly, anytime in November for me. But if you're blasting it like 24-7, that can't happen until like the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like and and then later. Cause But cause... honestly, I I I I I posed the question because I was going through my music library looking for something to to listen to, and um so there were I noticed there was a Christmas album in there. And I actually was listening to it last week and I was just like, oh, I actually really like this. Nice. So I was actually listening to Christmas music like last week. Uh, but honestly, I think people just freak out a little bit because people like to freak out. I get that it's yeah. most people take it as a joke of like, gosh, too early, because I've definitely done that, too. Uh, but honestly, it's like, eh, it's music. It's it's fun. Yeah, I think the problem with this one is the extremes because you give people who are like, it's too yeah. early. You can only play Christmas music on the 24th and the 25th and maybe the 26th. But then you've also got the people who are like decked out in tinsel year round chanting <laughs> for Mariah Carey to emerge from her cave. And it's like, I like, yeah, you can listen to Christmas music, but maybe don't listen to all the Christmas music in one day. <laughs> Save some for the rest well of us. Well, it's actually interesting because there was uh, one of the VTubers that I watch. She uh, she'll actually have uh, Christmas music in the background quite often of her streams, and she's been doing that like all year. And when people asked her like why why on earth are you playing Christmas music, it's like July or June. She was just like, eh, I like it. It gives me energy and it makes me feel happy. And it was like, you know what? Fair enough. Yeah, I remember reading an article a couple of years ago that. Uh... Listening to Christmas music and, like, prepping for Christmas actually does increase your general mood. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, one of those things where, like, it works to a point and then it gets to be too much. Yeah, you can definitely overload on it. 
But I would I would wonder though if like that whole like oh it it, it like um it gives me energy makes me feel happy and all that stuff. I would I would assume that has more to do with just um like the tradition and the ideas associated with Christmas and less with the actual music itself. So uh, I think that is part of as much as like Christmas music is actually kind of nice and I do like it. Um I think it actually benefits from our limiting it to a very short time frame because it enhances it when we finally are able to get it you have that like anticipation the month or so prior of like oh it's almost time for christmas music and that like anticipation helps build enthusiasm for that stuff because anticipation for a thing is always greater than actually having that thing yeah i'd agree with that and i think one like even smaller thing within that is that christmas music is generally happier that a lot of music people listen to year-round. What about Christmas shoes? Quiet, you. <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it there is typically that idea of, like, holiday cheer. So it is, like, it's supposed to be, like, peace on earth and, like, happiness and good times and family. And it's associated with those, like, aspects of, for, for most people, um, that they do, that celebrate it, at least, of, like, the ideas of, like family times around the holidays, getting together with family and dinners and like having fun and less worries and stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's got its purpose. I, I won't rag on anybody that like is a diehard Christmas music fan. Uh, but I'm also gonna still probably give them a hard time if they're listening to it, like in October. Yeah, that's fair. October's off limits. Actually, wait, (laughs) there is, one Christmas thing you can do in October, and that's Nightmare Before Christmas. Never seen it, never wanted to. I just love the Jack, the way Jack Skellington moves. I, I, that stuff's always like, creep me out. I never liked it. Oh, it creeps me the hell out, but for whatever reason, I just love the like weird knee bends as he walks. He's too long, and he's too lanky, and it's weird, but it looks so fun yeah. to move that way. What about in July, though? Christmas in July. Only on the 25th. Nah, the whole week. Because at the summer camp I worked at, we always celebrated Christmas in July. And the one year I worked at the camp store, uh, I I had a Bluetooth speaker that I would play music like all summer because uh, it's boring when nobody's there and you're just standing and waiting for like on the hour when people when the kids got out of their like activities to come and frantically buy candy and then. Mm leave you alone for another 50 minutes uh which is kind of nice i got a lot of reading done uh but i that entire week leading up to the 25th i would blare christmas music from the from the store all right i'll give you that i'll give you that Uh, did your family ever celebrate christmas in july no 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 mine did that was always like uh, on my mother's side of the family. We always it was like a family thing that we celebrated Christmas in July, and every year it rotated houses to hmm. somebody else in the family that you would like uh, host the Christmas in July, and then all of the cousins would do a kind of like Secret Santa gift exchange where we would pull names, um, and then all of the aunts and uncles um, did a like white elephant gift exchange. Nice. That's fun. It was mainly just an excuse for our family to get together and have like a big party and drink and do all yeah. the fun stuff. Between uh Fourth of July and my sister uh having a birthday in July, it's kinda of one of those like we 
that and then going to the family cabin. Just this whole mess of like, oh, we got so much going on already. We don't we don't need another excuse to get together and drink. Yeah. Uh, before we get into recommend, if you don't mind, just yep. kind of on the Christmas tangent, because uh, I was looking this up because of uh, again because the Christmas music was in my mind the last week. Um, do you have you does your family celebrate Saint Nick's Day, Saint Nicholas Day? Yes, we do. Okay, because I was reading because I was kind of like reading about it, and I was just curious, and it's like a very like specific european tradition for saint nick's day yep and i'm i'd be curious how many people actually celebrate saint nick's day in the u.s i assume our areas do what area we live does because of like the german population though it's more it's from what i can tell it's only a specific part of germany yeah our state does my family does and part of it is um because of it's literally Saint Nicholas, he's a Catholic saint. Okay, so, so you do the more. Well. So the the more uh, Catholic approach. Yeah, see, I'm not Catholic, so we don't have saints. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the weird thing with no saints. But um, so what does your Saint Nick's celebration consist of then? Uh, our family traditionally we will put out the shoes or boots the night before. Okay, you do put out yep. the boots. That was my Gotta main put question. Out the boots. You can't. He, where is he going to put the stuff? Um, well, I, I didn't know if you put out like a stocking yeah. or if you guys just got gifts. Like. No, we do boots. Uh, and it's not like a okay. big celebration, but it's always been a fun like pre-Christmas thing where we always get a bag of chocolate gold coins. Yep. And our yep. matching pajamas for the year. Okay, so you do pajamas on St. Nick's Day. Yep. And it's so, always wow. been like matching, if not matching family sets, at least like, all right, here's your Christmas specific pajamas that we're all going to wear on Christmas. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So we did the boots, got the gold coins, me and my sister. Um, and then we'd usually get like maybe another candy or two. And then like a small kind of just like fun gift, nothing like extravagant, but it would be like a little gift or something. Um, and then, uh, we didn't do pajamas on St. Nick's day, but we did a tradition of man, this is gonna be a Christmas centric podcast. (laughs) I didn't really mean, I didn't really mean that, but oh, well, uh, our tradition for pajamas was on Christmas Eve. Mm. We would do the Christmas Eve church service so that we didn't have to wake up early yeah. on Christmas morning, uh, which was always nice. Uh, but we would come back from church and then we would open, we would have specific gifts that would be labeled as Christmas Eve gifts. Mm. And I mean, it was always the same thing. It was the exact same thing it, that your family did um, where we would have uh matching or else like a theme of pajamas that my mother would give everybody in our family so like we would either have like all matching pajamas or like one year she did um uh what was it it was like uh books so they were like we would just have like kind of like generic uh pajama bottoms but then she got like pajama shirts that were like book themed uh and stuff like that so we did that for pajamas nice yeah ours is pretty pretty simple um and then we do the advent calendars just like chocolate advent calendar crack the window get the chocolate yeah yeah uh yeah fun times our next segment is better buddies recommend where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy i'm gonna go first 
to scoop it and make sure you don't beat me to it if you were going to use it. Uh, I gonna... recommend uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, he got me! <laughs> he got me good! <laughs> uh, I feel like I can't really recommend that because I really haven't seen that much of it. Uh, I'm going to recommend Mystery Science Theater 3000 live the time bubble what? tour oh you're specifically gonna snag that darn that's to like the fair, only one that i could i think i technically already recommended mystery science theater 3000 back in the like early tens of this podcast so yeah you probably did because there was a movie or not a movie there was an episode where we like talked for a little while about bad movies ah uh, yeah well doesn't hurt to recommend again true um but yeah you and i went uh this past week uh saw um yeah mystery science theater 2000 live uh for the live show they don't use their usual hosts joel or mike or jonah they had emily as their host which i think one of the best jokes in that was at one point she's talking to the two co-hosts the puppet robots tom servo and crow t robot the t stands for the um oh that's funny and she tells Crow that, oh, well, I'm not your, I'm not your dad or your ast- adopted dad or your older brother f- figure, but I'm like your babysitter because each host has gotten successively like younger. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. They riffed over the movie Making Contact. By, who's that by again? Roland Emmerich, which was like very surprising to me when I saw the credits for Roland Emmerich at the beginning, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what?" Because <laughs> they even made they even made jokes on that. I, I, if I remember correctly, like when that popped up, I believe one of them was like, "Wait, so they went and made this, and then went into Independence Day?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there was an actual time gap, but it's like, yeah, he went from making a movie like this to making. Like movies like Independence Day and Day After Tomorrow. Was wait, was Day of Tomorrow? Yes, that was one of his yeah, as well. Okay. Yeah. And I think he did twenty twelve. <laughs> He's gonna think for disaster uh, movies. Yeah, that's always that's always the joke with Roland Emmerich is that he uh destroys everything. <laughs> <laughs> he like he likes to take out the landmarks. Well he started small by destroying one person's kind of wooded house. Uh making contact is a movie a German movie about a kid whose dad dies. The first scene of the movie is the line of funeral is the funeral procession. Uh, And then the kid, his telephone is calling from the other side. It's his dad. And he's talking to his dad. And now he's got cool psychic telekinetic powers, which makes him the bullied kid at school for some reason, because children hate. No, they no They bully him because his dad dies. Right, yeah, he, they bully him because and his then dad he is gets, dead. And then, yeah, like, there's a scene of, like, his kids, these kids, like, making fun of him. They, like, give him a, like, toy skeleton with, like, a note. I don't remember if we saw they the note. They don't actually but, like, read the, the no- note. It's just, like, ha-ha, your dad is dead. You suck. Kid. Yeah, and the teacher, like, calls out these kids in front of the class and is just, like, now, nah, what would you do if your dad was, like, dead? And the kid's just, like, yeah, but my dad isn't dead. Like, unlike Joey's. <laughs> and it's like, what the heck is this? <laughs> okay, I've just had a thought that I didn't have while watching this in the theater. They never tell what? us how his dad died. Did he kill his dad? Um, no, his dad just dies. 
but they don't tell us how. So for all we know, Joey killed his dad. Yeah, well, well, you could assume that about every film, though. I don't know that there's anything specific that would like lead you to assume that. I mean, you could assume his mom killed his dad. I mean, she blatantly murders the fish later, so maybe she, we already know she's pretty cold-blooded. She, maybe she did. You know what it was? Life insurance. It was a big life insurance scam, which is why she gets upset that later in the movie, the kid is showing off his psychic powers and telling other people about him. She tells him not to do that. Because it'll cause people to investigate the death of her husband. Yeah, maybe. Uh, anyways, this kid, his toys, like, move around because psychic powers. Uh, his robot is alive. His toy robot's alive the entire movie, which, as the hosts pointed out, like, that's a much better movie. Let's follow this <laughs> robot. Yeah, let's, like, examine the fact that this ro- toy robot is somehow sentient, like... <laughs> uh, they find this old ventriloquist dummy that is also alive on its own, and it starts talking to him, and in a really scary, threatening voice is saying... No, that's not your dad. I'm the only person who's telling you the truth. You need to not help him. Like, don't talk to him. He's evil. Yeah. Which, like, if you wanted to persuade the kid, don't scare him. Yeah. Um, and the mom gets the teacher involved with, like, oh, my kid's psychic. It's like Stranger Things before there was Stranger Things. And... A little bit, yeah. Yeah, the kids... Well, this film... Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, uh, at one point, his bullies gather up after he, like, breaks their tanks with his psychic powers, and they're like, alright, let's kidnap and torture him. Yeah, they straight up are like, maybe we should kidnap and torture him. And it's like, what? What? What is, what? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, this movie heavily references, like, every single pop culture thing ever. Like, Star Wars is blatantly everywhere, Disney stuff is everywhere, E.T. ripoffs everywhere, like, Indiana Jones stuff, like, there, it's it's insane the pop culture that it's just like pulling into this film, but I I do have to I do have to give the film possible out in that the version that we saw was one edited for MST3K and then two was the American release which in of itself was already heavily cut and edited, so I am still genuinely curious if the original is in any way more coherent yeah but no i i as an ms3k msd3k film i thought it worked amazing because i had an amazing time with uh seeing it live and i thought that worked really well as a live show yeah that worked so well as a live show um they were there was like a laugh a minute like a minute you there was no Mm. duds i didn't think some were more no. gutbuster than others, but everyone at yeah. least snorted at. Yeah, everyone kind of – most of them would give you at least a little bit of a chuckle. I'd be like, eh. But – and then there were some other ones that were just like – just um, that were just amazingly timed. And for, um, for how it worked for the live show is we – Basically, we're in like a normal kind of theater that you'd see like a uh, like a, a stage performance music. at. Yeah, like a stage performance at. And they just had a big screen – that they were projecting the film on and um, down below on stage, they would do some skits and stuff. They did like a opening skit to set up their like MST 3k, like kind of like premise that they do. Um, And then they just sat on the side, like at this little table and you could watch them, but they were all like kind of just looking up and you could see them. Like you could see the host. She was like flipping the script. Uh, Yeah. But but um, yeah, you could just watch them do like their little riffs 
um, right there on stage. And there were just two puppets and the guys were like, I thought it actually worked pretty well because the guys were obviously dressed in all black and like, just like a very loose draped black. And then they were puppeteering the puppets. But for most of it, they actually blended in fairly well and you kind of lost them. Yeah, I think it, there were, at the beginning it was a little obvious. Um, and I don't think the lighting helped, at least at first, uh, because it was just like reflecting yeah. off in a weird way. But also yeah. early on in the show, they one of the <laughs> robots, Crow, uh, he was like, oh, I'm going to be right back, guys. And I'm like, oh, where are, you, where are you going? And his response was, oh, you you need my handler for this, this next bit. So I'm going to go back there. I'll be back in a bit. <laughs> he just leaves. Yeah. yeah, he's just like, uh, you're going to need my operator. I'll be right back. Don't make it weird. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, no, it was it was yeah. it was really good. I do wish we could watch it again because but that's what you get for going to a live show is you get those one in a one in a, t- a lifetime like experience. It's not going to be repeated again. Oh, the mom killed the fish. We do need to say later the in the movie, the kid. <laughs> uses his psychic powers to burn the teacher's hand when the teacher goes to grab a metal spoon. And the mom takes the teacher back into the kitchen to, like, cool his hand off. And he's the teacher is moving towards the sink, though. I was like, no, 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 over here. Oh, his hand's, like, in the sink. Yeah. His hand's, like, in the sink. <laughs> she drags him across the room to the fishbowl, sticks his hand in the fishbowl, and then she goes to the fridge, gets out a handful of ice, and dumps it in the fishbowl. And the cre- <laughs> like the theater went silent. And then one of the robot hosts turned to the audience and was like, you all saw that, right? <laughs> yeah, and like, it, that was, God, that was my favorite bit of the show. And then everyone just died. And like, for the next like four minutes, people were just like laughing. Because it was such a ridiculous scene. Because she he like dunks his hand in the fishbowl and then dumps ice in the fishbowl with a fish in it. Like that poor fish. Yeah. There, like they straight up showed the live goldfish swimming in the fishbowl. It did not survive. <laughs> they t- there was one take of that scene, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Or they had more fish. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it, it was really good too. Like, just the, like the the skits and other stuff they did. Uh, their at to introduce their um intermission. It started off with what was gonna be just like another skit sketch where. They were joking about, oh, if you're feeling down, buy stuff. It makes you feel better. And they did this whole song about, like, stuff in the movie that the kid had in his room, stuff that he bought that would make him feel better. And the song slowly transitioned into buy our merchandise. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And showed off, like, the t-shirt and the hoodie and the magnets and all the stuff they had out of the merch table. And they're like, all right, intermission, go buy stuff, bye! Yeah, it was like the let's all go to the lobby and buy some like snacks and stuff, but instead it was let's all go to the lobby and buy merch. Because <laughs> well, merch can wrong. hide your feelings. And they straight up were just like, yep, just buy stuff. Capitalism. It'll make you feel better. Yep. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, that's my recommendation is Mystery Science Theater 3000 Live, the Time Bubble Tour. I felt better because I bought a magnet. (laughs) I did not buy any merch. And that's why you didn't feel as good as I did leaving the show. I have a dollar amount to quantify it. Yeah, okay. Next time. Next time. What would you like to recommend, Calvin? Uh, I'll just recommend... I'll second that recommendation and like MST3K in general. Um, I gotta watch more. I've only seen like one or two of the old series, but... 
I'm going to have to go back and put that on. Cause like you said, that sounds like it'd be a great show to just kind of have on as like, and you can just listen to the riffs and stuff. Um, but I guess I might've recommended him before, but screw it. Uh, Real quick. I'm going to recommend uh, Bill um, Burr. Just before oh, I do want to say, didn't you say when we went to see MST3K, like you went in not entirely sure how you were going to feel about it. Like you, were, you weren't sure you were going to have a good time. Yeah. Well, part of that was just, I was like really tired and it was a long day. Um, but yeah, no, there was definitely some of that where I was just like, eh, MST3K is like fun, but like, I don't know how it's going to work as a live show and it's going to be kind of kitschy and it's probably not going to be like, it'll be like, I went in like being like, oh, I'll have, I'll probably have a good time, hang out with you and just like enjoy it. But I didn't expect anything like great from it. And I definitely walked away thinking it was awesome. And I was so glad I did it. Yeah. Now, Bill Burr. But yeah, uh, I also went and saw another live show. I saw Bill Burr live. And yeah, he's just a really funny comedian. Um, he had some very local riffs that were just amazing uh, about our like just our local area. And that was awesome. Uh, but yeah, going and seeing a comedian live, highly recommend because it really does change it's it's really a different experience because I've seen I've watched like Bill Burr specials on Netflix and stuff, um, and they're hilarious and I had a great time watching them. But seeing him live, there is just an energy there, and it's it, it's it's worth it. I would highly recommend. Yeah, um, I need to go watch his comedy specials because I the last the only thing I have strong memories of him in is The Mandalorian. Oh, he is in The Mandalorian, and he's great in it. Have you seen any of his specials? I've seen parts of them. Like, I think you and James have shown me parts of them, but I don't know that I've ever We've sat probably down shown and watched parts. through all of them. I'd recommend it. They're pretty good. And he's got some really good, like, jokes that are, like, also make a really interesting and compelling point. Like, uh, I'll tell you about some later because I just don't want to get into it. Yeah. It's a little too political a bit um, Burr, for Burr a podcast. for taking shots at anybody that he sees contradiction yeah. in. Yeah, but uh, it's it's good because he'll like make these jokes and that and stuff that are very much actually making a point, and you're just like, huh, I actually kind of, I kind of agree with how you laid that out. <laughs> yeah, and I think it is really worth men like noting again that he's not out to like be cringy or like shock humor. It's literally just he'll yeah. see something that contradicts itself on a topic and be like, hey, what's up? Like. What are you talking about? You, you said this. What's what's with this? Like you can't. We yep. can't have it both ways. Yeah. You um, know. Uh, so yeah. yeah, recommend Bill Burr, and I guess in general, just going to see live shows. I've gone to two live shows this year, which is two more than I ever went to in my life before, and I approve this uh, message. Yeah, same. And they were back to back for me. <laughs> Our next segment. Oh, uh, actually, yes. I have another topic that I would like to discuss. Yes before we get into um this uh so i was listening to a podcast today and then there was uh oh shoot i'm pulling up the article no stop it i don't care the website sucks uh so i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about this new uh, company that they heard about. And I read and I looked it up and I read this article and it's 
kind of one of the greatest things I've read in a long time. Okay. And it's just amazing. So this company has developed a new technique on and they and they've been kind of working on this apparently for the past couple years in relative secrecy. Like they haven't done like big press releases. It's been kind of it's not like been like like top secret kind of deal, but it's been like kind of hush hush. They're like they're not they they haven't been uh promoting it or what whatnot now until now that they have like uh functioning prototypes and stuff. Uh-huh. Um but it's another it's like a space company and it's to help get it's a like a revolutionary way to get uh satellites into orbit and it's like really cool. So how do you think that they do this? Giant slingshot. I'm gonna post an image and I want you to take a look at this Am and I tell right? me and well, tell me what you think. That's a giant slingshot. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> maybe a trebuchet. It's a it, it's a vacuum, right? It's what? in a vacuum in there, and it's a centrifuge. And oh, they spin it really, really, really fast, and then they just kind of chuck it. All right. So the picture Calvin has posted is <laughs> it's clearly a mo- like this has got to be a ten-story building size. Uh, it's tall. It's a uh, hundred and sixty-five feet tall. So sixteen stories. That if you give ten feet per story. Yep. Uh, 16 story t- tall building. Um, it looks kind of like a leaf blower. <laughs> it <laughs> so kind of does. A leaf blower up on its end to like float a ping pong ball. But it's all in gray. Yep. Oh my god. And it spins. Um, let me see if I can't figure out. And this is just a prototype. Um, th- so this isn't even like the full scale that they want to build with, for this thing. Um, but I'm trying to see if it tells you how fast it spins it. Uh, it goes as fast as uh, many thousands of miles an hour is what they're saying in this article. Um, several times the speed of sound, but yeah, it's a vacuum sealed centrifuge that just spins the payload ridiculously fast. And then it just goes whoop and it doesn't like, it doesn't actually chuck it fully into orbit. But it does, it says chuck it like tens of thousands of feet into the air, at which point it, the payload has a, a rocket in itself, oh. which then is able to get it into orbit. Because what they're doing is they're eliminating that initial um, need for excess fuel and really powerful engines to uh, get it off the ground. Green but, space programs. But it's it's still it's still got a rocket. But it's just amazing to me that their literal plan is to just spin it really chuck fast it. and then just chuck it into space. It into space. <laughs> right? How does it and survive? It, like you're whipping it around. I don't know, but guess what the company's name is? Catch. Spin launch. Nice. So that, that's the article. Um, Alternative rocket builder spin launch completes first test flight. Uh, but yeah, so I saw I, I heard them talk about that and then I looked it up and I was like, this is this is amazing. This is the best thing ever. This is sci-fi. This is the future of space. How do we get the new satellite into space? I don't know. Just like chuck it really hard. Just yeet it up there. See, and then in the future... When they have, like, entire spaceships they're chucking off the ground, they're just going to build a giant slingshot. <laughs> we'll just take the Grand Canyon, smooth it out, make it a slingshot. 
I actually saw an interesting video, like essay, uh, a while ago about a way to launch stuff into space, which was basically a big tether that floats on a satellite up in space. And then it, like, I forget how it works. It might have been tethered to the moon, but I don't think so. I think it was just tethered to a satellite. And basically, it was able to just like swing on this tether. And that would like launch things into space without like with minimal propulsion needed. Nice. Let me see if I can't find that. Just go fishing for spaceships off the moon. You know, this is how I know we're not in the darkest timeline. We have moments <laughs> like this. Yeah. Oh yeah, here we go. Space tether. Long cable, which is used for propulsion, momentum exchange, stabilization, altitude code. Yeah. So uh basically just look up space tether, and it's basically just a floating satellite that literally just dangles a massive cable down to earth um and is somehow i forget how but it's somehow able to uh yeah it's able it was sky hook basically a theoretical class of orbiting tether propulsion intended to lift payloads to high altitudes and speeds hypersonic speed for catching high speed payloads or high elf graph and placing them in orbit wow um rotating tether will create a controlled force on the end masses of the system due to centrifugal acceleration. Okay, so I think it's like basically a centrifuge and then they basically, you grab this tether and then the rotational momentum like whips the other end of the tether into space or something like that. Okay. I think it's, I think it's something like that, which is also just an insane premise, but awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, our next segment how to be a better buddy where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question, if I want to stop using anger as a motivating force, what do I emotion? Do I replace it with, with the further details? I've used anger all my life to get the success I wanted. Oh, you're, you're breaking up for me. Oh, uh, well maybe, uh, maybe you should have been more committed. Oh. Um, I've, where did, where did I start breaking up for you? Uh, right, right before you started reading the question. Oh. Uh, the question is, if I want want to stop using anger as a motivating force, what do I emotion do I replace it with? With the further details, I've used anger all my life to get the success I wanted. The problem is that anger is unsustainable and erodes away at my mental health. I'm not sure what to replace it with when it's been so powerful to use to overcome all my fears, doubts, and anxieties. So this is just like a red lantern, right? That's yeah, trying not to be a red lantern anymore. For those who don't know DC Comics lore, the Green Lantern is one of a spectrum of emotional lanterns. The green is fueled by willpower, but red is fueled by rage. Quite literally, pure rage. When they put on the red ring, it purges all the blood from their body. So if they stop being angry, they die. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that bit. Yeah. The other rings get weird. Um, Not that weird. Little weird. Uh, they're all get, they all get these like little rules about them. Uh, There's but only one anyways. Breed. What? There's only one orange lantern because the orange lantern power is greed. Yeah, that that makes sense. Because otherwise you have to share, and that's yeah, not not I'm allowing. Sure. Uh, but yeah, back to the question. Um, yeah, don't use anger. Anger bad. <laughs> use green I lantern. Feel... Force of will, sheer determination. No, blue where it at? Blue's hope? where it's at. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you understand hope. Hope has to share. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, doesn't Hope need a Green Lantern in order to enact, but isn't Hope technically more powerful? Uh, yes, uh, Hope is the most powerful of the Lanterns, even 
no matter what other lanterns are nearby, it amplifies their abilities. And even uh, there is when blue lanterns were first introduced, green lantern was hanging out with one. And they're like, oh yeah, we can do basically anything if there's a Green Lantern within like 50 feet of us. And they reignite a dying sun and turn the back clock back like 8 billion years. Nice. What about a White Lantern? White Lantern is life, and they kind of exactly. suck. Exactly. Oh. Because they, they showed up just after the uh, Darkest Night event, when the Black Lanterns showed up. And... I thought it was actually pretty cool in the Blackest Night event where they're like, hey, you know, all those superheroes who have died and been resurrected over the years? That was us. They're ours now. Goodbye. <laughs> but yeah, this conversation kind of devolved. That's uh, fine. <laughs> small tangent, but back to the question. Yeah, no, I, 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 I would say don't use your anger. Find something else. Um, I mean, I feel like if anger has been a motiv- motivating force, you should look inside and try and figure out what's causing that anger because I feel like if you can replace, you don't have to sell. If, if you can figure out what's causing the anger and like work on that, I feel like you'll find your answer for a new motivating force. I would also offer a fourth the litany of fear from Dune. We're so nerds. Yes, we are. Um, but I think it's <laughs> but it's a good like concept of acknowledge your fear, accept the fear, and then the next step is to just move beyond the fear. You don't need to be angry. You don't need to be... You don't even need to be that, like, forceful or strong-willed. It's just a matter of, the fir- like, following the steps. So when you're feeling yeah. that fear, your doubts, your anxieties, just stop. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge they exist. Allow the allow yourself to feel them. And now what's what comes after that? What's the afterwards? Yeah. So, yeah. Use willpower or uh, just... Don't look dumbest advice ever. Just don't be angry. <laughs> don't be mad. Our next question. What's one piece of clothing you can't go anywhere without and why? Uh underwear. Oh dang it, I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like definitely underwear's the uh right answer there. Uh but if we're if we're talking like beyond your basic essentials of like underwear pants shirt socks kind of deal um and you're trying and if we're talking like specific kinds um for me it's honestly just like normal pants like i don't like shorts if i go somewhere i have to have like maybe i'll bring like if it's in the dead of summer and it's like 98 degrees with 100 percent humidity i'll wear shorts uh but i'll do it begrudgingly uh, yeah. <laughs> so for for me, it's like pants. I I will I prefer pants at all times, pretty much. Uh, for me, it's a hat. A few years back, I got started on wearing hats, and I just kind of keep going, for the most part. Uh, yeah. I, I find it's kind of nice to either because even in the winter, either it's keeping my head warm, or in the summer, I'm wearing a ball cap, and I can just if the sun's out, just turn it around. There you go. Our next question. What are the pros and cons of maintaining your LinkedIn? Um, I mean, I feel like you should just do it for, I guess, pros are depending on your field, but I feel like it can't hurt. Uh, it's good to maintain a LinkedIn for professional options. And one, if you're, you might be able to find professional connections that can just help you in whatever your job is. So if you need like someone to, uh, 
I don't know if you're running your own business or you're like managing something and you need to find somebody LinkedIn, I feel like is a decent enough place. Or if you're job hunting, uh, that's where I, I, I found my current job on LinkedIn. Yeah. It's beneficial to like maintain that and have that professional presence. I will note one of the cons is it's such a weird thing to maintain because it's like Facebook, but not Facebook. Yeah. And yeah it it's also like work because it's not like what do you what do yep. you post on your linkedin account like oh here's, a, here's I, an article i read that's related to my job it shows i keep honestly yes literature honestly yes that is how you're supposed to t- like really use it um i don't do that because i don't do normal social media so i'm not going to do fake professional social media yeah. um but i do think you should make when i say maintain your linkedin um you should keep your uh like history your job history up to date you should keep your um like achievements on there up to date uh Maybe I should, I, I'm trying to get, I, I want to get better at actually doing the connections thing, but like my social anxiety extends to like online stuff as well. So I will, I don't like accept anybody's connections, even though on LinkedIn, you kind of are supposed to just accept connections with more than just people, you know, because mm-hmm. it's about establishing that network so that you're able to like find other options so if you're looking for a new job you're able to use utilize your network to like find postings or if someone in your network is posting you're going to pop up as a um as an option sooner than if you you weren't in their network um so as much as i know i'm supposed to do that i'm terrible at it oh i I feel like i'm in a middle ground then because i do that to a degree with like People who are one step removed of like, oh, you're in my same field and you're kind of doing the same stuff I'm in, like, part of that kind of stuff. But, like, I've had a few people who just, the only connection was, hey, I went to your college. And it's like, I had 12,000 people went to my college at one yep. in one year. Like, I've had those. I don't know you. I'm not adding you. I don't know what benefit you're, I, I don't see a direct reason to benefit where something you do or say will impact me. Yeah, but see, that's the hard thing with LinkedIn because that's the purpose of it is to connect with these people that you wouldn't normally connect because you're right. Like you don't know them. You don't know anything about them, but that's the perfect person to connect with because they may have an option. They are, they may have something down the line of like, you know what? I need this. Like I have this specific uh, uh, position that I need filled and LinkedIn's gonna and if they go to LinkedIn you're gonna pop up in their connections if they search because if they search for like oh um, I want this major you're gonna pop up um, as a member of their connections first before other people and then they're gonna be like oh yeah this person went to my university I liked my university let's take a look at their profile oh I think they'll be perfect and then they send you uh, like a note, a message like, hey, I'm hiring for this position. Would you be interested? So I understand the theory and I've read some stuff on it, but I'm just terrible at that. See, and this just makes me think it's the game I wanted to, I've been wanting to play for like 10 years of let's make a brand new Facebook account and just see how many Facebook friends we can get. Oh, like based yeah, on you mutual get, like, game, like oh, you can get like thousands. Yeah, I've got like I've, we've got a I've got a thousand friends. I probably have like 300 mutuals with you. You should just add me. And then they add me, and now it, like, increases and just see how big I can get that web to grow. It would eventually encompass all of, like, yeah. until you – until you, you would be able to encompass everyone that 
is willing to accept a just mutual as a friend and not a actual person that they know. Yeah. Because that, yeah. <laughs> so it's, that's basically what I should do on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I don't know about if you should go that extreme, but uh, from what I've read, you are supposed to be more generous in your accepting of connections. Like when recruiters contact you, you should, you're supposed to be polite and like accept their connection but be like, yeah, I'm not really looking for anything at the moment, but thank you, but like, thanks or whatnot. And then like, if they offer to like, to like connect on LinkedIn, you're supposed to take it because then you already have a recruiter in your connections that it's like, if you're looking out, if you're, if you're ever in the job market again, you can be like, Hey, uh, I was wondering if you had something similar to that job you offered me in before. And maybe they'll be like, yeah, I do. I have this one right here. Or they'll be like, oh, nothing right now. But if something comes up, I'll let you know. So yeah. Um, it's hard. Professional world is hard. Yeah, it is. Uh, on the less, less professional side, our next question, what are the reasons why you wouldn't date a chronic weed smoker? Smell. Uh, smell, yeah. Like, it's... Some people say it smells nice. I don't agree. I, I don't think it smells that great. And, like, frankly, I don't... Like, if it's working for you, great, that's fine. But I feel like that's kind of like a secondhand smoke situation, too, where, like, I don't smoke. Bit. I don't want to, like, just live in that. Yeah, yeah. Because that's going to affect me. I don't want to. Yep. I'm, you do what you want. That's cool. If, I'm, if, like, somebody I know does and, like, I'm hanging out with them, that's great. That's their place. They can do whatever they want in their place. My place, I don't want that. So I'm probably not going to date somebody who's chronic weed smoker because I don't want to live with that yep the other thing would be that i i, I know people there's some people that are like oh it's not addictive and it's like well it may not be chemically addictive but it's definitely mentally addictive and it's like i i know i've known people that are just like they're like god and there's like all they talk about is like man i gotta go smoke some weed later like they're, they're like controlled by it and this can happen with any addiction yeah and that's just not something that I would necessarily want to have in a relationship with someone is someone that's like beholden to a substance. Yeah, um, I was just about to and say. It's, and that's a little and that's a little harsh. That's a little harsh to say because I because substance addiction is an actual problem and there are amazingly wonderful people that do have that struggle with a substance addiction and I don't mean to disparage them, but I I don't know. I I I also at the same time, you you kind of have to admit that that's something that you have to you, you your partner has to be willing to accept is that you you have this addiction and I I don't know. I feel like it's a hard there's like topic to discuss. Um, yeah. Well, I think. But it's. I think oh, part of it too is that like what was I, I going to say? Part of that chronic like anything can be chronic. If it or like any anything could be a problem if it's chronic and interrupting your life. So like, yes. If somebody is so obsessed with coffee that like they go one day without and they're just absolutely miserable to be around because yes. they don't have control yes. of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's kind of what I'm going for. It's like the it's it's just that idea of like if. Um, cause I like to travel, I like to do things outdoors and stuff. And if like, I was in a relationship with someone that was that like constantly needed to smoke weed and it's like, it's affecting 
what I want to do. It's like, oh, well, I have to like, it's like, oh, let's go do like this thing. And it's like, oh, okay, but I, I got to smoke first. It's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> also, like, oh, sorry, but it's still not legal in a lot of places. And my jobs that I'm trying to get into yeah, generally too. don't like smile upon that. Yeah, I mean, I think they should just legalize it because oh, yeah. there's way worse stuff that is legal. So I think it's stupid. But while it's not legal, I mean, you have to deal with those like stuff. Just because you don't agree with something doesn't mean you can just blatantly ignore the laws and um, not think that the consequences matter. Tell that to kids these days, am I right? Our second to last question. Do you think you have to share common interest with a person to share a strong, quote-unquote, love relationship? Why? I don't think you need a shared passion because, honestly, someone that has passions that are completely out of left field from what you would normally do can be very attractive and intriguing and keep you interested. Um, But common interests and passions are definitely helpful because they they give you something as, like, your base that you can, like, bond over. And then you can have these, like separate passions that are more intriguing to the other person. I think you gotta have like, you gotta have like a 50-50. Like 50% common like interests and 50% common values. Because even if you don't necessarily, even if it's like, if one of those is less, but the other is more, you can make things work. But yeah. if you have all the same interests, but none of the same values, and or all of the same values, but none of the same interests, like, that's gonna... That's gonna get a little rough. Not undo, not impossible, but you, you're gonna yeah. have to put some extra work in. I think. I feel like all the same values and none of the same interests though would be a lot easier to maintain than the none of the same values. So I would definitely think that if it was more of like a seventy uh, thirty split of like you had like pretty much all the same um, values, but there was and you had like maybe one or two interested. Uh, interests that were common like maybe but everything else was different i feel like that would could still be a stable relationship because like you still have those um core values to fall back on which i guess in a sense is your common interest is your interest your, your common out it's it's more it's less the common interest in just something that you share you just yeah. need some sort of shared thing whether it's values interests or something you need that to ground yourself i feel like yeah i'd agree with that i think 3070 works our last question this week what do you do when you're standing in sephora with your girl getting olfactorily assaulted while she browses the heck is sephora it's a uh store you don't even know i I think it's a it's not the candle store. I think it's the perfume store. Sephora is a French multi-international retailer of personal care and beauty products. So I'm assuming it's perfume. It has it must be a perfume store or something. Perfume and makeup. Okay. So that makes sense for the oral factory. Um good luck. Rip. Uh yeah, basically it's the scene from SpongeBob. You're just going to die. Uh let her rip. Just Massive, massive fart. Wallowing okay, your own stink. I, I don't know if I Fight agree with this message. You're on your own for this one. Uh, more seriously, like, come on, I can't smell that bad. Breathe through the mouth. It's probably fine. You're probably fine. Just breathe through the nose and, like, 
No, don't breathe through the nose. Yeah, breathe through the nose and participate. Like, be an active participant. Oh, yeah. Malicious compliance. This is a malicious compliance route where you get interested, but then get more interested so that it's more of a problem that you're there. <laughs> Just go too far with it? Yeah. Like, you're going to groan and grumble or whatever, but, like, it's your SO, so you, she's going to drag you along and you're going to go and she's going to, like be annoyed because you're grumbling and whatever, but she bring, brought, she's going to bring you along anyways because she knows it annoys you. But if you get into it, and you get really into it, it's going to be more annoying to bring you than it is to leave you home and or to like let you go to a different store while she browses, and then you'll get to go off to the GameStop. Yeah. yeah. Or get oh, some man, pizza at the mall by... cafeteria. This place is owned by LVMH. Which is like the ridiculous conglomerate that owns literally every high-end product ever. Wow. Like, if you can name any fashion brand that you can think of, like high-end. Old Navy. Okay, no jokes. Like, high-end, high-end uh, fashion. Like, Ray-Bans. Uh, are Ray-Bans high-end fashion? I thought so. I don't know that... I'm talking like runway supermodel high-end fashion i don't think you understand how high my understanding of fashion goes that's fair uh but i'm talking like uh louis vuitton oh. uh tiffany and company christian dior uh mark jacobs um all of that stuff like they own all of that they're kind of insane how much they own wow that's yeah that's neat we're getting closer to the dystopian future of super conglomerates Yay. They're already buying up the sports stadiums. Oh, did you see that the Staples Center is being renamed to Crypto.com? Yeah, I did. That's such a terrible name. It is. Oh, rip. Rip. Yeah. And the, uh, when the corporatocracies move to take over, I'm swearing allegiance to Disney. Shut up. No. They're the worst. have standards. They're the best of the worst. No, I don't Google know will about sell that. your organs in a heartbeat. You assume Disney won't. I don't think Disney I, will. I think Disney would be more. I think Disney would be faster to sell out your organs and replace them with components that like force you to be locked into their like brand forever and completely limit everything to keep maintain Apple. that. No, them too, but um, I was going to say to force you to like, you can't say anything off brand of Disney and like all that stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's I'd currently a fight see... uh, with the, between the heads of Disney about letting non-family friendly material onto Disney Plus. Yeah, see, it's not going to win. They're not going to win. I don't know. No. No, Mickey Mouse will come and gut whoever's going to try and go off brand. It's the pre- it's the it's literally like the CEO of Disney who's trying to go off brand. Yeah, watch this he time next Disney. year, he's gonna be gone. Mark my words, he'll have a sudden disappearance or a fall from grace. Uh, the current problem is Bob Shapek, the guy who's in charge, wants to admit non-family friendly material like PG thirteen R rated that kind of stuff material on, while yeah. the old president Bob Iger is saying no, we have to keep the family friendly. But Shapek is driven by data and numbers, and he's seeing, like, if we don't make changes to, like, adapt Disney Plus as a system and keep with what it is, we're not going to grow our subscriber numbers that we want. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, uh, 
buy your Mickey ears and be prepared to play whatever part they cast you in. No, don't give in. Remember, Fight. we're cast members and we're on stage. Fight. We're not employees and it's not working. Fight back. All right. Well, Calvin, thank you for joining this week. I can't wait till you get replaced by a Mickey bot. Uh, no, I won't be replaced. I can't be replaced. I'll go down fighting. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you purchase podcasts. Uh, if you want to reach out to us on social media, we have Facebook, Better Buddies, where we do our icebreakers and our meme Mondays. Twitter, at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our gmail betterbuddiescast at gmail.com you can send us fan art hate art fan mail hate mail declarations of love and or war icebreakers you want us to answer or questions you need advice on and last but not least be a better buddy all right well Let's start the episode and get her done in three. Oh, wait. Do you have your tea? Yeah, I got my cocoa. Ooh, cocoa. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah. Are you allergic to cocoa? Yes. Oh, man. You you like to live dangerously, my friend. Always. All right. In three, two, one.